Amen? So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together this morning. And Lord, I believe that you have an incredible word for our hearts this morning. Lord, I believe that this is something, Father, that, that rises to probably the, the first position, Lord God, in each of our lives that you want us to know. So I pray, Father, that we'll give attention to your word this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Share a little story with you. Uh, it goes along with our message this morning. But you know, sometimes whenever you hear somebody say something and you think they said this, but they actually said that, Anybody ever been there before? Most of you have heard this story, but something happened in our family a few years ago. Uh, I was in the bathroom getting ready for bed, and my wife was already in the bed. And so from the bedroom, I heard her say that she likes cream cheese. You know, kind of odd, you know, but I didn't think too much of it. I said, well, I like cream cheese too. So uh, I went in the bedroom, and she's laying in the bed laughing her head off. And she said, I didn't say cream cheese. She said, I like, I like clean sheets. So it's been one of our jokes in our family for many years. Every time I get in bed and there's clean sheets, I say, man, I like cream cheese. It just shows you that you should be listening a little bit better than maybe you were at that time. And really, that's where we're at with this word, folks. If there was ever a sermon that I preached that I really want us to hear, this one is it. We, we've got to get this. This is one of those foundational uh, messages that all of us really got to get a hold of. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you not to surf on your iPad or your iPhone or whatever. Just really give attention to this because you may know this already, but I promise you there are probably people around you that don't know it. And so I'm just going to ask you to give complete attention to this so that you'll hear what it is God is saying to you. To understand life's purposes, to understand life calling, I really believe that you have to start fundamentally with the nature of God because you see it's God that's created you and it all starts with God. You can't tell yourself what your purpose is. Only the creator can tell you what your purpose is. Amen? The Bible tells us that God is love. Mm, that feels good. God is love. He doesn't just have love. He doesn't just show love. He doesn't he doesn't just uh, uh, manufacture it. You see, God is love. That is the nature of God. That's the character of God. That's the very essence of who God is. No love in the universe if it weren't for the fact that God is love. Y'all understand that? No love would be out there unless, uh, no love would be out there if it wasn't for God being love. The only reason that you and I are able to love, to give love, to receive love, to to uh, uh, grab a hold of that grandchild or that child and love on them. The only reason that we're able to do that is because God made us in his image. See, we're people. We're made like God so we can love, we can be loved. Ants, A-N-T-S, they can't love. They can't look across their breadcrumb and love another ant. They can't even look it up as, up as us and love an ant, uh, uh, us. Ants can't love. Snails can't love. Cows can't love. And now I know I'm going to throw one out there that y'all are going to hate me for. Dogs can't love either. Oh, yes, they can. My dog loves me. You feed your dog. That's why they run with you. You stop feeding them, they're going to find somebody else. 
People were made in the image of God. People can love. Boy, you guys are really quiet right now. You're Googling it. I can feel it in my bones. You see, everything in the universe was created so that God could love you and I. God has never made anything that he doesn't love. If you're alive, it means that God loves you and you were created to be an object of God's love. In Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, I'm going to read it, but I'm going to chop it up here because I really believe we've got to give some context to the Scripture. The Bible says, long ago, even before he made the world, God loves us and loved us and chose us. So if you stop right there, before God created the universe, he had already chosen you and he had already loved you. Listen to this. Before the universe was ever created, he made the universe so that he could make earth, so that he could make human race, so that he could make you, so that he could love you. Y'all see this design? All of it, whenever he spoke it into existence, the thing that he was looking forward to is loving on us. Amen. Ooh, see, that's a good word. You see, if God hadn't wanted to love you, all the other stuff that, that happened in this, you know, fantastic creation of him, it wouldn't have happened. Keep on reading in Ephesians uh, 1. It says, before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been from the very beginning of time to adopt us into his own family, to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. So this was his plan. God designed this plan. He, I'm telling you, God is a good planner. And he planned this. He says, man, I want a family. That's God's plan. He looked forward from creation and he says, man, I'm making the trees and I'm making the ocean. I'm making the rabbits. I'm making the ants and the snails. I'm making the dogs that don't really love you. They just run with you. He says, I'm making all that stuff looking forward so I can have a family. And not only did he just want a family, but he wanted you and I to be part of that family. Regardless of where you are right now, understand this. God wants you to be part of his family. The universe exists because God wanted a family. It was all made so that you and I could be made, so that you and I could be loved. This is the rest of that verse. And this plan gave him great pleasure. Now think about this for a minute. I love my kids, man. I love my grandkids. My kids have never been a burden to me as they've been a pain in my hunkarukas a few times. But y'all understand there's a lot of parents that, you know, man, my kids are such a pain and I don't want to take them anywhere. I don't want to do anything with them. My kids were never like that to me. They were always a joy. Understand this. No matter how crazy we may act, Every once in a while, God's family brings him great pleasure. You were planned for God's pleasure. The reason that you're alive, God wanted to love you. And so this morning, we're going to get into some callings, some purposes, some reasons for our existence, our assignments. The first purpose of my life, the first purpose of your life, the first, notice I'm saying first, is to be loved by God. That's first. Loved by God. It's not to serve him. It's not to obey him. It's not to trust him. It's not to do something for him. It's to allow God. It's to let God love you. And you got to let this sink in because our first duty is not to do something. Are y'all, I mean, usually that's what Christianity runs around. Okay, 
you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do that. All these rules, all these regulations, but this is our first duty. Our first duty is not to do anything. It's not to learn or to listen or to pray or to read our Bible. It is just to be loved by God. I want to just tell you this, relax. Just relax and just allow God to love on you. Sometimes we come into his presence and go, oh, I didn't read my Bible enough yesterday. I didn't pray enough yesterday. I haven't prayed all day. I don't know what in the world. Oh, my goodness. Just come into his presence and just allow him to be your dad. Let him be your father. Just be loved by God. God did not create you to do something. He created you to receive something. If you understand that truth right there, and most of us have never really, really gotten it. But if you understand it, it'll transform your life. If you're walking around all day long just thinking, man, God loves me. I can be a real cucumber head and God still loves me. I can do stupid stuff. I can act in stupid ways and God first loves me. Amen. Our first assignment is to get his love, get it in us. I was made to be that receptacle that God pours his love in, a receiver, a benefactor of God's love. And that's something, folks, we got to sit back and just let it sink in. I encourage you today, whenever you have those alone times, those moments where nobody's screaming at you, just let it sink in. I was made so God could love me. Woo, baby, I was made for God's love to just penetrate into everything that I am. This is one of those things that's taught all over Scripture in Jude, this little bitty book next to the last uh, book in the New Testament. This letter from, I mean, this letter from Jude, listen to verse uh, 1 of Jude. It says, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Listen, he says he's a brother of James, but hang on a minute. That's probably one of the most humble statements ever written in the Bible. Why? Because, yeah, he is a servant of Jesus Christ. He is a brother of James, but he's also a brother of Jesus. He's a half-brother of Jesus. So here you have a half-brother of Jesus. By the way, most of his family, his brothers and sisters, because Mary and Joseph, after Jesus was born, had a whole flock of kids. They filled their quiver up. Understand this. Most of them did not believe he was the Christ until he died and, and was rose again. So here's Jude. He said, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus and a brother of James. I am writing to all who are called to live in the love of God, the Father, and in the care of Jesus Christ. Man, you can circle that word called. What is he called to do? He's called to live in the love of God. That's our first calling. We got to get that. Because too often, man, religion tells us, okay, this is what you call to do, this, 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 and this. No, just live in the love of God. It's my first purpose of life, and it, my first purpose of life is to be loved by God. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. I hope that you all have a relationship with your spouse as I do with my spouse. I love my spouse. I love to be around her. I love to be in a conversation with her. I love to just hold her hand. I, I enjoy that. That's what husband and wife relationships should be like. They shouldn't be where you're sharpening your knife while you look at them. Shouldn't be going on Craigslist, finding 
an assassin for hire. My purpose is to let God love me. My calling is to enjoy that relationship, to enjoy it. This is so fundamental, but it is the number one calling in you and I's life. It's not a role. It's not a responsibility. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of regulations. It's not some kind of a ritual. And again, it is definitely not religion. It is a relationship. So often in my early Christianity, people tell me, oh man, you're real religious. You're real religious. And man, I had an instant answer from them. I said, I'm not religious. I hate religion. I'd spit all over it. That's a brand new microphone. I shouldn't be doing that. I hate religion. I'd tell them that. I don't so often anymore because people don't tell me I'm religious. They just say you're ugly. And so I have no answer for that. I tell them I'm not religious. I said, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our calling is to enjoy that relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's going to be a surprise to a lot of us. Christianity is not a religion. People try to make a religion. They make all these rules, regulations, rituals, but it's not about that. It is about our relationship with God. God sent Christ so that you and I can have a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with him because God is love and he wants a family and he wants us to experience his love in the midst of that family. And the only way we can do that is with the relationship. So what kind of relationship does God want us to have with him? Does he want us to be his slave? No. He wants to be a servant? No. He wants to be a soldier? Yeah, that's it. Fighting, his, fighting the battles and right the wrongs on the earth. No. So he wants us to be a warrior, a worker, an employee. Maybe he just wants us to be a minion. They're real cute. None of those things does he want. God wants us, listen to this. This one here is a biggie. Drum roll, please. He wants us to be a son or a daughter. Man. He wants us to be a son or a daughter. Man, that's big. He wants us to be in his family as a son or a daughter, not a distant cousin, not a distant relative, but he wants to bring us to the closest blood relative you can have, a son or a daughter. Man, that's big. Romans 1.7 says this, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. God loves us, and he has offered us the opportunity to be sons and daughters. So here are the fundamental truths of everything that we're doing in this campaign. The first purpose is to be loved by God. That's my first purpose. I have to, I have to allow myself to be loved by him. My first calling is to enjoy that relationship with God. Number three, that relationship that God wants me and you to have is to be a son or daughter. And that is the biggie, like I just said. It's so big. It's so huge. It's hard to imagine me being the son of a king. So I'm just podunk. I was raised in the hills of New Mexico. If any of y'all go on the internet, just look up Carrizozo, New Mexico, and its claim to fame, it doesn't have one. 
It's a horrible place. I mean, seriously, I would never want to go back and live there. No offense if anybody from Carrizozo is watching, but I'm telling you, it's better here in the mountains of North Carolina. I'm a, I'm a hick, but yet God has invited me. He's created me to have this relationship and to be his son, son of the King of Kings, son of the Lord of Lords the creator of the universe. Can you imagine what it's going to be like one of these days? The Bible says every tongue is going to confess, every knee is going to bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen, amen? And can you imagine what it's going to be like to have every tongue confess, every knee bow, and you are his son? That's just let it erupt in you right now. He doesn't want you to be a slave. He doesn't want you to be a servant, a soldier. He wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to be his child. God wants a family to love, and he wants you and I in it. In 1 John 3, 1, this is from the Amplified Version. I love this. It says, what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us, that we should be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Ooh, man, that's good. What an what a incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us. Because this is what I will tell you. I don't know how in the world anybody would adopt me. I mean, just look at me. Would any of y'all want to take me home and adopt me? It's my new son, J.D. He's kind of weird. No. I mean, but I was at my worst 40 years ago whenever God adopted me, amen? Whenever he brought me into his son, brought me into his house as a son. Your purpose in life is not to accomplish something. Your purpose in life is not to make something of yourself. Your purpose in life is not to go out and make a lot of money, become famous. This is your number one calling in life. It's to be that son. It's to be that daughter. God created you and he called you to be loved by him, to experience that love, to be as close to him as a son or daughter. Most people have never truly experienced the love of God. They've heard about it. I got to tell you something, folks. We're, we're in a place in society right now whenever too many people that are out there walking the streets have never really experienced the love of an earthly father. And so it's incredibly difficult for them to understand the love of a heavenly father. I'm, I'm just being honest here. So we haven't even experienced the love of an earthly father who is all messed up. But to look and to say, man, the love of the heavenly father. We've heard about it. Maybe it's in your head, but until you get it in your heart that God loves you as a son, he loves you as a daughter. He says you were named, you were called, you were counted the children of God. Why in the world would God ever want me to be a son? I'm looking at some of y'all in here. and Pastor Clinton said 99% of you looking good this morning. He got that right. But I'm thinking to myself, I know some of them people, per, uh, I know some of those people personally. Why in the world would God even want them as a son or daughter? Some of you fit really well. Some of you are like poly pocket perfect. Well, he wanted us to be his son. He wanted us to be his daughter so he could express his love. God's love is extravagant. It's lavish. It goes beyond our human mindset. We cannot comprehend the love of God. He loves you on your good days. He loves you 
on your bad days. He loves you whenever you don't feel like he loves you. He loves you whenever you don't think you deserve to be loved. You can't make God stop loving you. You can put your feet down, hold your breath, throw yourself down on the floor, throw a big fit, but you'll never be able to stop God from loving you. He'll never love you any more than he does right now at this second. You cannot do anything for him that's going to increase the amount of love that he has for you. God's love is not based on who you are, what you do. It's all based on who he is. And God is love. See, this is one we got to get. This is this is why I didn't want you all doing anything but paying attention to what God's saying today. Because your number one calling in life is not to do something. It's not to impress God. Your number one calling in life is to receive something. Just to let him love you. Let him love you like the son or the daughter that you are. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 17 and 19, he says, I pray. Starts out, I pray. And as your pastor, that's one of the things I'm praying for you during this spiritual growth campaign. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. In other words, as you get more and more comfortable with Jesus in your life. A lot of times we're so standoffish to God because he's big and he's powerful and he's all of these things. And so we like go, oh man, how can I ever get comfortable with that? I can imagine what it would be like if the president of the United States ever came to my house, you know? Regardless of who the president is, let's just skip all the recent presidents and let's just say that we get a new one. He knocks on the door, open the door, and it's the president. I said, oh, Mr. President, <laughs> Renee, it's the president. He says, "Could you mind if I come in for a little while? I go, you do whatever you want to. He comes in and sits down. Can you imagine how awkward that first meeting would be? Y'all understand what I'm saying? I mean, whenever he left, I think my armpits would have sweated all the way down to my kneecaps. He leaves, I'm going, man, I'm glad that's over with. It would just be awkward. But can you imagine what it's like to be the president's son? I heard a story about Lincoln one time that in his Oval Office, it was never never off limits to his kids. He could run in anytime he wanted. If he had the Secretary of War, Secretary of Defense, or whoever, Secretary of this or that was in there, he would just stop. And they said he used to carry a little wagon in with a whole bunch of stuff inside that wagon. He'd come in and sit in his dad's lap and tell him about all those things in the wagon. And President Lincoln would give him 100% attention, even though the Secretary of this, Secretary of that, Secretary of this, all sitting there waiting on him. Because you see, it's different whenever you're his kid. It's different. It's not uncomfortable. He's my dad. That Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. It says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. You see, your life needs to be rooted in that love. And keep on going with the scripture. And may you have the power to understand, as uh, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the uh, his his love really is. And may you experience the love of Christ, not just know it, but experience it. 
See, it's so good whenever people tell you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But man, whenever somebody shows you that love, whenever they do that thing that is unconditional love for you, it's awesome. Experience it. God wants you to feel his love. He doesn't want you just to know it, know that you're loved. He wants you to feel it. He wants you to feel it in every fiber of your being. God wants to love you. May you experience that love emotionally, that love of Christ, until you fully understand it. See, your brain, if you, if you experienced all of the love of Christ right now in your brain, your brain would go, just blow up. Brain would just be everywhere. Your wife would walk in the room, oh, he must have experienced all the love of Christ. Blew his brain off. See, he wants us to experience and understand his love in our hearts. Our brains don't have the capability to understand how much it is that God loves us. The Bible says that part of our calling is to try to understand how wide it is, how high it is, how deep it is. And so this morning, I kind of want to give you those four things. How wide is God's love is where we'll start. It's wide enough to be everywhere. God's love is everywhere. How wide is it? There's no place on the planet that God isn't, that God's love isn't. There's no place in the universe that God, where God's love ends. There's not a bar, a bunch of people drunk, and God's love ends at that door. It doesn't end at the red light district where people are being bought and sold. It's a place, it's, 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 God's love is in the place of the poorest places on, on the face of the earth. There's no place that God's love is not. I mean, you can look around and you can see things that are happening that are so catastrophic in our, in our world today, and you might be able to point a finger and say, you know what, I don't see any of God's love there. That doesn't mean it's not there. It just means you can't see it there. there are lots of things you can't see that are real. The reality of so many things out there you can't see. I mean, right now there's radio waves going through this building, going right through your body. They're, the Bee Gees songs are going right through your head right now because they're being played somewhere on an oldie station or maybe some of your iPods. Even though you can't see those music waves, those cell phone waves, they're still real. Sometimes we can't see the love of God, but it's there anyway. You just got to learn to tune it in. So how wide is God's love? In your life, there will be no place that you could ever go that God is not there already. You may feel lonely. You might feel alone at different times and points in your life, but you'll never, ever, ever truly be alone because why? God's love is there. This is kind of a sad thing, but a cool thing. Even whenever we're not aware of him loving us, he still loves us. See, there's so many people out there right now that have no idea how much God loves them. This morning, you're sitting here in the sanctuary and you are learning that God is love, man, and it's good, and he loves us unconditionally. He loves us, and so he's invited us to be sons and daughters, and man, the smile is getting so big on our faces. But there are people that have no idea how wide God's love is. So now how long is it? How long is it? It's long enough to last forever. Long enough to last forever. I've done things in my life where I've looked at it and I go, that's good, it's going to be here forever. And then I go, no, it's not. 
It's going to be here a little while, and then it's going to pass away. God's love is forever. That makes it different from human love. A lot of times, all we've experienced in our lives is human love. Let me tell you about human love. Are you all ready? Sometimes human love wears out. I was watching Judge Judy not very long ago. You know her? She's mean, man. I would never want to be married to that woman. I mean, she's mean, man. She got in a fight with a pit bull, and man, she bit that thing all over the place. There was two people on that show. One was suing the other, and it was a mother suing her daughter. And I go, what? What? I would never sue my daughter. My sons, I would think about that, but not my daughter. See, human love wears out. Why, how could you love your kid and sue them? Are you all there with me? I guess nobody is. Okay, well, I'm just going to move on. Human love wears out. That's why we have divorces. That's why we have breakups. That's why we have all these conflicts. That's why we've got people that are estranged from one another. And there's no possibility, it seems, to be reconciled because human love can wear out. But God's love never wears out. You can never wear God's love out. You can never go, well, man, I've just crossed that line one too many times and God has said, enough with you and just flicked you off this planet because obviously this planet is flat. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. God is never, 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 never going to stop loving you. Even if you choose to reject him, God's not going to stop loving you because God's love is what? It is forever. It is eternal. He made you to love you. God loves you with this everlasting love that we can't even understand. It's long enough to last forever. So now how deep is it? It's deep enough to handle anything. No matter what pain that you might be going through, what kind of problems that you've walked through, no matter maybe what kind of problems have arisen just recently that you know your life is hurtling towards, God's love is deeper than any one of those things. You might say, well, pff, man, my life is in the pit, Pastor. I've hit the bottom. I can't get any lower than I am. I needed to say that with a lisp. I mean, you might say, I just... I'm down. I just can't get up. Maybe it's because of something you've done. Maybe somebody else has put you in that place. But no matter how low you go, God's love goes deeper. It goes lower than your problem. There's no pit that God and his love can't go deeper. So how high is it? How high is the love of God? Man, this is one I struggled with. Well, let me just say this. It's high enough to overlook your sins. To, over, to overlook your faults and your mistakes. Because of Jesus Christ, God is able to overlook my faults, my failures, my flubs, my sin. He's able to look, look, look past them. See, some of you know some of the retarded things I did whenever I was growing up, sins. I mean, man, I was, I was crazy, a lot of stuff I did. And many times, maybe whenever you're looking at me, you see that in me. You know, man, that guy's nutty. He did this whenever he was in high school. My family, my kids, I've told them stories that I've never told you. Just did so many things that was wrong. 
But God through Jesus Christ has, has the ability to totally erase my sin. The Bible says that he forgets it. He forgets it. He removes it as far as the east is from the west, and that is a very long way, very long way. He remembers it no more, the Bible says. So he has the ability through Jesus Christ to literally overlook my sins. God offers us forgiveness of our sins through the cross of Jesus Christ. He literally offers us a start over, a do-over. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation, not an old model that just got a paint job, but we are a new creation. In John chapter 3, it says we are born again. We get a brand new start, a start over. See, a million years ago, before anything existed, God already thought of you, and he decided He decided to choose you. He decided to love you. And God's been waiting your entire life for this one moment where he can get you to be still enough to just listen for just a minute to some things he really wants to communicate with you. Whether you're in this sanctuary or whether you're online, let me just read very quickly what I believe are some things God wants to communicate to you. This is from God. You have no idea how much I love you. I have always loved you. There has never been a moment of your existence that I didn't love you. I was the one who planned your birth. I allowed that conception. I wanted you alive so that I could love you. I saw you formed in your mother's womb. I saw you take your first breath. I heard your first cry. There's been no moment of your life that I've, that I've turned my back on you, that I've not listened to you, that I've not watched you. I saw every pain you've gone through, every sin you've ever done, the celebrations and the sadness, the happy times, the sad times, the grief, the pain, the exhilaration. I've been there at every moment of your life, and whether you realize it or not, I was gazing on you in love because I made you to love you. So my question to all of us this morning How would it change your life? How would you live differently? How would you be transformed if you begin to be be aware of God's unconditional love, that never-ending love, you just became aware of it all the time? Because, see, I think a lot of times whenever we go through stupid stuff, it's because we don't have that unconditional love right at the forefront of our mind. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. Oh, I am loved by God. I can't do anything that his love would be taken away from me. I am loved unconditionally by God. I have been brought into his family as a son or daughter. Are you following what I'm saying? Just all the time, just thinking about how much it is that he loves you. How would it change your life as you got up in the morning, did all those first things in the morning, and you felt that, Deep, unconditional love just getting you. As you went through your day, no matter what kind of task you were doing, you were sensing God's love. I am deeply and unconditionally loved by the creator of this universe. What would it be like if you felt it every day, unconditionally, totally? You were aware of it all the time. How would that change your life? Let me just ask a question. Don't have to raise your hands or anybody or anybody. Yeah, you certainly don't raise your hand 
don't raise anybody. I don't know where that came from, but just put it in the seat back pocket there and leave it. Janitor will get it. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hands or anything. How many of you have ever not felt saved? Don't raise your hands. But you just came to a place where I don't think I'm saved. You know, I really blew it. I messed up. Yeah, I think so. But what if you had that unconditional deep love just throbbing in every pore of your body and you knew that you knew that you knew that you were a son, that you were a daughter of the Most High God? How would that change your life? I'll tell you, there'd be a whole lot less times you wake up feeling unsaved. Amen? Man, you wake up feeling blessed. <laughs> I belong to the king. Ah, hallelujah. Man, he's taking care of me. My dad is taking care of my life. Yes, I'm grown. I'm out on my own. But he still says, I'm going to take care of you. See, how would it change your life? Your first calling in life is to receive God's love, to just let God love you. Then you're to be a person who becomes aware all the time, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm unconditionally loved by an eternal God. So this morning, I want to give you some practical ways that you can think about this all the time. I'm loved, I'm loved. I, man, I'm loved. Shuck my corn, I'm loved. This is good. This is, okay, you didn't get that. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. This is, this is how we walk in that unconditional love. I'm accepted. I'm not ashamed. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Therefore, since we have been made right, Another translation actually says acceptable. We've been made acceptable. We've been made right. We've been made acceptable. That will change your life. I've been made right. So many times whenever I talk to people about uh, their salvation, if they're not right with God, I say, if you're not right with God, you need to be right with God. You see, so many of us in this room, so many of you listening online, you've, you've been made right with God. You've been made acceptable to God a lot of people go through their whole lives avoiding God. The reason they avoid God is because they feel ashamed. They feel guilty. They feel condemnation. They feel judged. Can I just tell you that God doesn't want any of that to be felt inside of you? He doesn't want condemnation. He doesn't want you feeling guilty. He doesn't feel you, want you feeling judged. They think God is perfect, and, and why should I want to run with a perfect God? Why would I want to hang out with a perfect God who's simply going to remind me of all the ways that I've failed in my life? See, that's not what God does. Listen to what Jesus said. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. That's what Jesus said. I didn't come to condemn it. I came to save it. It goes on to say, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So every person that's in Christ, there's no condemnation. That means that we shouldn't feel guilt. We should feel that love. We should feel acceptable. We should be, feel right with God. We've been made right. And because of that, God accepts us completely. He accepts us totally. He accepts us unconditionally. Because of his love, 
I can live in peace with God. And let me tell you something. It is good to live in peace. Amen? Husbands, let me just give you a little circumstance that may have happened in your house one or two times or 10 or 12 or 100. Have you ever not been at peace with your wife because you did something you shouldn't have never done? And this side over here, I just feel really attracted to seeing this to this side. Oh, and this side too. And oh, and you over here. Husbands, have you ever been that way? Man, you just came in and you sat down and you just wanted to be quiet because you knew you had wronged. But then you said, I'm sorry. And you were on your knees and you kissed her hand and you said, help me to ever do that again. I will never cross you ever. I will just do what I'm told. And so forgiveness is given and you can rise. (laughs) Isn't it good to feel that peace in the home again? See, the peace in my home, whenever it's disrupted, I ask Renee, what's wrong? And her standard answer is, guys, help me, nothing. But I know the way she said nothing, it's something. And so the peace is destroyed. But boy, whenever peace comes back, because why? I was made acceptable. I was made right with her. It's the same way with God. I think sometimes we try all of our life to get the approval of others. We try to get other people's acceptance and other people's approval. We think saying the right things and doing the right things, wearing the right clothes, being in that in crowd, we're going to get it. That's what the basis for most social media is out there. You know, so, so much social media is just a joke. People just need to put what their real life is like, not what their fantasy life is like. Amen? Okay, not amen. I, I just, I'm just telling you, that's what we do. We just try to get acceptance. We just try to, we try to get people to think we are something other than what we are. But think about this. If you come to a place where you say, I am right in the eyes of the creator of the universe... Can I just for a moment call him the big guy? You know what I'm saying? I don't need approval from anybody else. Are y'all there with me? If God looks at me and says, man, I approve. You are acceptable to me. Then I don't need to look for other people's acceptance and approval. In Romans 8, it says, if God says his chosen ones are acceptable to him, Can anybody bring charges against them? The answer is no. Or can anybody condemn them? The answer is no. No, indeed, because I feel acceptable, accepted rather than ashamed. That's a big one, folks. I'm right with God. See, not being right with God or not feeling right with God, it it prevents us from praying. It prevents us from worshiping. Sometimes it prevents us from coming to church. Because, man, how can you come to church whenever you're all messed up inside? Understand this. God accepts you. You are acceptable to him. You've been made right with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Second one is, I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. I'm bold in my prayers. Why? 
because I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a member of his family. I know God loves me unconditionally, and I can talk to him about anything at any time because I am his son. There are benefits to being a son or a daughter. Amen? My kids are grown and gone. They still come into my house and look in my refrigerator. They look through my cabinets. And I still believe they think whatever is mine is theirs. I'll be very honest with you. I would not have it any other way. And I'll tell you why. Because there are perks for my kids being my kids. Send your kids over to my house and they look in my refrigerator, my dog will bite them. Are y'all understand what I'm saying? We can, be a, we can be bold in coming to the throne. In Romans 8, this is verses 14, 15, and 17. It says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted in His family, calling Him Father, dear Father. And since we are His children, we will share in His treasures, for everything God gives to His Son, Jesus Christ, is ours too. I love that phrase, father, dear father. That word in Aramaic is Abba, Abba, which means daddy. Abba, father, that's our dad. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people looked at God as this Jehovah, this Yahweh, this, this man, this guy that's just up there ready to smash us with a hammer. But in the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, he literally becomes our father. He has, he has become our dad. We are his children Whenever you talk about prayer, listen to what it says in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's just saying be bold. Just be bold. I'll tell you, the king's kids didn't need the king to lower their scepter at him in order for them to come in the back door of the palace. The king's kids just came and went as they wanted to. Why? Because my dad is the king. I've got the run of this castle because my dad is the king. He's the boss. He's the owner of everything. I'm special. Why? Because I'm the king's kid. Hallelujah. We got to get bold. I'm telling you, there's nothing your heavenly father would want to do more for you than to answer your prayer, to bless you with whatever it is you're asking him for. Why? Because he's Abba Father. I want to do for my kids. I want to bless my kids. I want to give them. Your heavenly father is the same way times a billion, million, trillion. The Bible says you can ask anything in my name. That's Jesus speaking. The third thing that I want to give you this morning is this. I have peace and pain, even pain that I don't understand. In times of unexplainable hurt, grief, I can have, as the Bible says, this peace that passes understanding. <sighs> Can't understand it. Don't know where it's coming from. Peace and pain that pain that I can't understand. I look at my wife's illness, and, and I know you get probably tired of hearing this, but I'm just telling you this is where I live. I don't understand why God didn't heal her 24 years ago. I don't know why she's home as a literally wheelchair bound. I don't know why. I don't know why. It hurts me. 
for my wife to be ill. It hurts her for her sickness to just have overtaken her life. You're going to have things in your life that come and you will not understand them. You're going to ask the question, why? 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 Why is this happening to me, God? Why is this happening to our family? Why now? Why here? Why this? Why, God? Not everything that happens in this world is the will of God. Understand that because there's a lot of evil in the world. God hates evil, but there's still a lot of evil done in the world. So not everything is His will. God doesn't owe us an explanation because there's been times when I've got really upset at God about things. Amen? I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why right now. Thank you, Ron. Somebody else is like me. And I found out through the Word that He doesn't owe me an explanation of why He allows some things to come into our lives. But as we go through life, there's going to be a lot of things that we don't understand. There's going to be losses we don't understand. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be problems. All these things, we're not going to understand everything. But there is this one thing. There's peace in the midst of all of it. You don't have to understand it to have peace. Can I just say something that I've stumbled on just recently? Explanations for why we're going through what we're going through probably isn't going to bring us any peace anyway. I mean, think about that just for a minute. Why someone that you loved dies If you were given the explanation, we're going to see as a pastor, I've stood in front of caskets many times and I have preached those sermons. We don't know why this person checked out early. Are you all following me? I don't know why this infant died. I have no idea why, why, why. Even if you had the explanation for why it was, you realize this? You still have the same loss. Explanations don't comfort you. You see, God brings that peace. He brings that comfort. We need, we need His presence. Anytime that a family in this ministry or anybody that I'm made aware of that has a catastrophe take place in their family, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a severe illness, you know one of the things that I pray as their pastor? Probably more than anything, as I say, God, give them peace in the middle of these circumstances. Give them peace. Let the peace of God flood their hearts, Lord. Let them have your presence, Lord, because you are the God of peace. Philippians 4, 7, I've been referring to it for the past few minutes. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Number four is this. Whenever we understand and know how much God loves us, that first calling that we're sons and his daughters, he loves us unconditionally, we've been made right with him, we're acceptable to him, then we can know this whenever somebody believes in us. You are capable of accomplishing things that you would never be able to accomplish on your own. Anybody that's ever had a good coach and you know, you come in and you don't believe in your own athletic ability. It's never happened to me. But maybe some of you can ascribe to these things. You know, that you had a good coach that just brought out the best in you. I can say that of my high school years. I had a good ag teacher that literally brought out the best in me. 
He's seen something in me and he believed in me and he gave me great responsibility as I was growing up in VOAG and all the years that I was involved in VOAG and Future Farmers of America. It was something that was really good for me as I was growing up. Somebody believes in you. All of a sudden, you're more capable than you would have been on your own just because they believe in you. You've got this additional power. You've got this additional energy. For some of you, God literally has been waiting for this moment. Your entire life, he's been waiting on it. He's been waiting for this moment where you are for the first time that you would just get a little inkling of how much he loves you. That's all he wants today. It's just for you to start realizing, man, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. See, the problem arises right here. We don't really understand how much it is that he loves us. We don't understand how much he's for us. I mean, the Bible tells us that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You see, this moment a million years ago, before anything happened in you and I's life, God chose us. He decided to create us. He decided to love us. There are a lot of people that are hearing my voice this morning that you're just out on the fringes of this. You've never really made a decision to surrender your whole life to God. The reason you've been afraid to surrender your life is because you really don't understand how much He loves you. Man, He loves you. He's in your corner, man. He's he's there with you 24-7. He's ready to pick up the pieces of me, be. Nobody knows what's best for you outside of God. Nobody will make your life better than God will. I can look back on my life with Jesus Christ and I can tell you hands down, it's better than anything I lived up until Jesus. Better, better, better. So, Those that I'm speaking to this morning, I really believe this is your moment. This is your breakthrough moment. This is the moment where you let go of fear because the Bible says there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And see, listen to me, listen. God does not want to punish you. Nothing that you've done wrong up until this moment is he looking to punish you for Nothing that you do for the rest of your life does God want to punish you. That's why he allowed his son to take our punishment. See, whenever love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. That's how big love is. That's how how overwhelming love is. And you need to stop being afraid of God. You need to accept the love that he's offering for you this morning. and, And that fear will drain out of you. How do you become a son or a daughter of God? How do you become a child of God? The Bible says in John 1:12, to all who believe him, that's Jesus, and accept him, that's Jesus, he's already accepted you. Jesus gave the right for you to become children of God. 
Say, that's all, that's where we're at this morning. So many people are still standing back and they go, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not ready to completely surrender. I'm not ready to become that son. I'm not ready to become that daughter. I'm, I, I just don't. Let love, let this love that I've been preaching about for the last 50 minutes or so, let it just saturate you. He loves you. He loves you. Can we just take a moment and just bow our heads and let's pray a prayer this morning. If you're sitting out there in the sanctuary, if you're listening to online and you just really feel like this is your moment to surrender, you can just pray a prayer very briefly and just say, God, I accept you. I accept your love. And I ask you to become a son or daughter. Very simple. So with our heads bowed, if you're in this sanctuary, you're listening by uh, our Facebook or YouTube, you can pray it right now. Say, dear God, I accept you. I thank you. I ask you to forgive me. I accept your love. And I ask you to make me your son or your daughter. Amen. I mean, folks, I'm amazed at how much God loves me. I'm amazed at how wide and how long and how deep and how high his love is. And so many years ago, I walked through the exact same thing that many of you walked through just a moment ago. You accepted God. You accepted his love. You've accepted his forgiveness. And it changed me. You see, that's, that's what changed me. It wasn't a fiery sermon that a preacher preached anywhere. I was just on the back row of the sanctuary just waiting for church to dismiss. I'm, I'm serious. I had no interest in church whatsoever. And I literally felt God sat down on the pew next to me. And the next thing I felt was his love just overwhelmed me. It just overwhelmed me. And it was at that moment that I knew I needed to make a decision to follow him. And so I went to the altar and I did. The fifth one, and I'm going to do this very quickly, Jared, if you'll come and help me close this this morning. The fifth one is this, I worship instead of worry. <laughs> I'm thankful that there's nobody in this sanctuary this morning or listening online that worries about anything. We're not worriers. Amen to that. Bless God. But here, I think, is a great place to talk to people maybe that are outside of our sanctuary this morning that you're going to run into, that you really need to have this word for them. I worship instead of worry. So what is worship this morning? Worship is simply expressing ourselves, expressing my love to God. Anytime that I say, Lord, I love you, that's worship. Whenever we came into the sanctuary this morning, that's worship as we come together and we sing the songs. We can worship in our small groups. We can worship in a church building. We can worship in any kind of service. We can worship with the windows rolled up in our car, rolled down in our car, and we're singing uh, with a song on the radio. Anytime we can express our love to God, anywhere we can express our love to God, that's worshiping Him. And worship is always a response. And man, if there was ever a time that we needed to respond, it's to this message. This message is about how much God loves us. 
And many of us have been in the kingdom for a long time, man. We've heard God is love, God is love over and over. But this morning, it's just reaffirming that amazing love that God has for us. And I think a response this morning would be that we say, Jesus, we worship you. We love you because you first loved us. 1 John 4, 19 says we love because God first loved us. You see, a problem many times exists instead of worship, we're worrying because we think that our problem is that God isn't enough. No. Maybe we worry because we've forgotten how much God loves us. You know, I, I thought of this. Sometimes I think whenever we worry, we're kind of acting like an atheist. I mean, worrying, isn't it pretending that you're an orphan? Seriously, that's what it is. My kids, I don't think ever in their lives worried about where their next meal was coming from because they expected me to provide. They expected me to go to Sam's and spend $10,000 on groceries. Dad's got it covered. Oh, he's got a card in his pocket. He can just swipe that dude and he's got a checkbook. He can just write out a check. Are you following what I'm saying? My kids never felt like an orphan because they didn't have something to eat. But we oftentimes act like we're an orphan because we just don't realize how much God loves us. We're worrying because we've forgotten our Heavenly Father who love us, loves us, wants the very best for us. He's created you and I. He's watching over us. But we're worrying and we are pretending like we're all on our own and we're not on our own. So that's where the worship comes in. Man, I have an opportunity to worry about this or that, but I'm going to choose to worship instead of worry. In Matthew 6, 31, it says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. The promise is why we're doing, we're living our calling. Living our calling. Being loved. Living our calling. Being a son or daughter of the Most High. I encourage you before you leave this place or for sure before you check out of, to, of, today, of today by going to bed, turn to somebody and tell them, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the Most High. I encourage you before you do anything tomorrow morning, tell yourself that. And then as you go through the day, tell yourself a whole bunch I am a child of the Most High God. Tonight, before the, the, uh, you check out, if, it's, if you're like me and you go to sleep before it gets dark, it's okay. But if you stay up till after it's dark, go out and look up in the skies and just think, man, my father, he breathed those stars out of his mouth and he made them. The millions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy, the billions of galaxies that are out there in the universe. My Father made them. Whew. 
Father, this morning, I pray we get this. I pray above all things, Lord, that we get this. I pray that we are a people who live our calling. I pray, Father God, that we learn to be loved by you. I pray, Father, that we would come to a place where we enjoy being in your family, being a son or daughter of the Most High. I pray that into our small groups, Lord God, as we meet all over this community in the next few days, Lord, I pray, Father, that one thing that we will get through this is that, Lord, we're called to be loved. That's our mission. And I thank you for it, Lord. I pray it in the name of the mighty Son of God, the strong Son of God, who gave his life so that we could be loved by our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. I pray that all of you find a small group. If you haven't, make sure you talk to Pastor Clinton before you leave here. He'll get you signed up in one. God bless you, small group host, as you go forward this week. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday night, I pray.